0: If you'll remain standing as I read uh, the sermon text, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. It says this, "'I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, 14 years ago, was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows.'" so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: I get it. Okay. Well, hi. It's nice to see you. I'm glad you're here. We were here uh, a few years ago, and my, how the church has changed. The church building has changed. And uh, good job. This is uh, so attractive and so appropriate. And I just thank the Lord for uh, the progress that you're making in so many ways. Uh, Yesterday, when I was walking to the gate at the airport, I lost my voice. Uh, Great timing, huh? I've often found that uh, on Saturdays, uh, there will be something significant that goes wrong. uh, And I think it's Satan trying to inhibit the proclamation of the word. And uh, I'm just taking it as that. If you'd be in prayer for me and, and for this, it would be awesome. I'd appreciate it so much. Marcia and I did leave Henderson Hills after 25 years uh, and moved to Oklahoma. We have three sons. Two of them are uh, pastors in Phoenix, and one's a counselor in uh, in Prescott, Arizona. So we, the good part about that is we get to see the grandchildren that are far superior to our actual children. So. So, you know, that is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. Justin has asked me to talk about suffering today. Now, there's a popular conversation to talk about suffering. We all have something in common. We have suffered. We will suffer. And we are suffering to some way, in some ways. And the question becomes... How does a Christian deal well with suffering? Now tonight, in theology night, we're going to really get into the question of if God is good and God is sovereign, why would he let evil and suffering happen? But for now, let's just look at the issue of suffering itself. Uh, interestingly enough, the last time I was here, I discussed to some degree the subject of suffering and uh, let me recall something that I said. I don't expect anybody to have remembered. I don't remember what I preached on last Sunday, so uh, it's okay. But uh, I mentioned during that time that Marcia and I understand suffering. Um, Like you, we have suffered. Uh, And I I bring this up just to tell you that we've experienced the temptations and the pain and learned something about the grace of God in times of suffering. Uh, When we were married, we wanted children. And uh, our first four uh, children miscarried. And we thought we'd have no children at all uh, by a natural way. And uh, Lord, saw fit to, to do, give us three. But we, when there's a miscarriage, you suffer the loss of a child. And we did. Um, when I was 47, I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I'm a pastor, and I'm supposed to be strong in the Lord and just trust him through it. Uh, and I can't say that I did that. I had surgery. The physician said he got it all, uh, but I've heard that before. And so uh, I just fell into a deep and dark depression that lasted for about three years. There's no suffering exactly like the suffering that we deal with in emotions, and some of you know that and and so we we worked through that. The Lord was gracious. Uh, our middle son suffers from PTSD he was um, He was sexually abused at ten years of age by a church member, and for years he struggled with relief from that until he started self-medicating. And he did that for about eight years as he became addicted to both alcohol and drugs. It was a shock for us all. And his condition so worsened that we expected any day to hear that he had died from it. Now, thankfully, praise God, He's now been 11 years in recovery. And uh, he's got a a bachelor's and master's degree and a wonderful wife and two beautiful children. Uh, But nevertheless, they have continued to face suffering. His wife Marie was kidnapped a few years ago and raped. And uh, after that whole terrible experience Uh, she was diagnosed with cancer and they've had to deal with that cancer diagnosis our oldest son has been diagnosed with lupus and this vibrant happy bubbly guy has changed into somebody we don't know anymore and uh, it's painful to see your children suffering My dad came to visit us for uh, my birthday, as a matter of fact. And um, he drove from Phoenix to Oklahoma City. We had a wonderful night together. And unfortunately, during the night, this seemingly healthy man died. And there in our house, in our bed, he uh, went on to be with the Lord. He was my hero. He was John Wayne, and he was Santa Claus put together and came as a tremendous loss for our family. We have a grandson with, with autism. He is beyond brilliant. Uh, the, the kind of brilliant I really don't understand. But at the same time, he has a lot of trouble relating to people. It's painful to watch that. Some years ago, a few years ago, Marsha became ill with a disease that we could not find a diagnosis from. Even though we went from doctor to doctor to doctor, she lost more and more and more weight. They found medicine that could help. But unfortunately, it caused psychosis. And... And so it was a balance between psychotic behavior and the terribleness of this disease. She got down to about 100 pounds. And uh, that's when we went away to Mayo Clinic for diagnosis. Now, I'd love to tell you this story, but the night before her first visit uh, to the doctors at Mayo, God healed her. Took the pain completely away. It turned out to be something called eosinophilic gastritis and gastroenteritis. It took time to memorize that. Uh, And um, no known cure. But she'd gone all of these years cured. But I don't want to get away from the suffering of it. Day in and day out as I began to think about what life would be like without my wife. Um, And most recently, uh, I think my two closest friends in Oklahoma City, both elders in our church, betrayed me in the worst possible way. Uh, And I think I'm still dealing with that in, in some ways. So what I'm trying to say is this. I'm not asking you for sympathy. I'm asking you for understanding. I know what it's like to suffer. As you listen today, understand this is something the Lord has worked in our lives as well. All right, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we see one of the most remarkable passages of Scripture uh, in God's Word about this subject. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I must go on boasting. You see, the the background here is uh, false apostles, false teachers, and legalists had invaded the church in Corinth. They were trying to take followers away from the true gospel that Paul had preached. One of the things that they said was Paul was not qualified to be a real apostle. Paul's at a point now, he has to defend his apostleship. So this is where he commences. And he says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I'll go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. So I'll go on to tell you about what God has shown me. And uh, to go on, he said, I know a man in Christ. We'll get to this use of the third person in just a minute. I know a man in Christ who, 14 years ago, was, uh, uh, was caught up into the third heaven. Caught up into the third heaven, where, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And he's going to repeat himself now. I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body. I do not know. God knows. He's being redundant here. It's like an exclamation point. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. God told him things. Not that he was not allowed to discuss. Though, uh, 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 to utter, verse number five. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but not on my own behalf. I will not boast except in my weaknesses. You might, if you mark it in your Bible, you might want to work, uh, under, underline, boast in my weaknesses. Though, if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears in me. The Apostle Paul apparently struggled with pride. He's not the only one. I do and yeah you do too uh, it was the first sin it was Lucifer's sin as he was falling from heaven it was because of his belief that he could rise above God and do his own will it was Adam and Eve's sin that led them to think that they could disobey God it's a root sin and and Many say all other sins spring out of this root sin of pride. I think it is the deadliest sin. And remember, this is one of the few sins that God says he hates. And he will work to protect us from it. Please hear that. He will work to protect us from this. So, Paul is in danger of this, of this sin, and he knew it. But uh, he's going to go ahead and tell the story anyway. I don't think he wanted to tell this story, but he had to tell the story. He needed to defend his apostleship uh, from slander of these, these antagonists in the church. And so uh, he explained what happened To him. And now let's look, let's let him speak to us about what actually did happen to us. It says this. Look at the passage. It says, well, first of all, notice that he speaks in the second person. In English, that's totally inappropriate. We don't, you know, when I'm talking about me, I don't mean we, I mean we. I I mean I mean me. What do I mean? But we don't refer to ourselves in this second person. In the Greek, it was okay. It was all right to do that. It was an act of humility, and that's exactly what he's doing. And so he's speaking of himself in this second person, and he talks about something that had happened 14 years earlier, and he never once spoke of it. 14 years and never talked about it. If it happened to someone today, they would write a book and get on television, and there'd be a movie. But the Apostle Paul said nothing about it for all of those years. And it says that he was caught up into the third heaven. The third heaven refers to... uh, There's the heaven around us, the atmosphere. There's outer space, the second uh, heaven. And then the final heaven that we struggle with explaining, and we just call it the throne room of heaven. We say it's where God is, but God's everywhere. But there is a special manifestation of the presence of God there. So Paul is now there before the Lord. And... Again, he's not sure if he's in the body or if he's taken up in, in some kind of a vision, but the Lord has given him a clear understanding of where he would one day be. And he heard things, again, that he was not allowed to talk about. Now, as wonderful as that was, as life-changing as that would be, he was in danger of pride. He was in danger that God would give him special opportunities and blessings. And that he would claim them at his, as his own. And brag about them. He was. He was. Indeed. In danger of pride. You know pride is taking credit for what God has done. Uh, for example. Uh, I'm, I'm successful in my work. Uh, I'm. Pretty. Obviously, I'm not talking about myself. I, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm intelligent. I'm well-spoken. I have a lot of friends. Well, th- this thing goes on and on and on. Every good and perfect gift we have has come from God. Uh, now, that being true, pride is this way that we have of taking credit for what only God could have done in our lives. It's choosing to follow our will instead of God's. Every time that you do that, it shows the arrogance of your belief that you're more God than God is. It's seen in prayerlessness. I call it the arrogance of prayerlessness. Uh, When we don't pray, it shows that we think we've got things together. Until God blesses us with the proof that we don't have things together. So, now let's go on in verse number seven. It says this So to keep me from becoming conceited. Now I'm going to get technical here, and uh, Justin, I hope this is all right with you. Uh, but um, l- let me get in the weeds now and get technical with the wording itself. The word keep is written in a verb that means to keep and to keep on keeping. So he says, to keep me and keep me on keeping from becoming conceited, proud, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. A thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger from Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited see he's he's reiterating here to keep me from this terrible danger of pride three times I pled or pleaded with the Lord uh, that he would take it from me and uh the Lord said no. Uh, if if we could go on now, uh, let's let's intercept what's being said here. A thorn was given to him in the flesh. The word that's used for thorn. You know, I live in the desert now, and uh, everything that, in the, that grows in the desert, as far as plants, has thorns. I swear, everything seems to have a thorn. And now. This word is for not, not for that. It's not for the thorn on a rose bush. That's not the idea. The idea more is the stake that holds down a tent. And so this was driven into his flesh. The word flesh has two meanings. It's this stuff right here. You know, your flesh, your physical body. And it's also into your nature. And I think he's talking about both here. This stake was driven into his flesh to keep him and continue to keep him from becoming conceited. Now you'll notice, he calls this a messenger from Satan. A messenger. Every, what was it? What was this messenger from Satan? Well, here are some of the things I've read. It was glaucoma. It was uh, some crippling disease, rheumatism, uh, arthritis, something like this. It was a speech impediment. It was uh, uh, some other kind of disease, maybe the, the uh, leftover remnants of malaria. It could have been any of those things. It might be all of those things, any of those things. And I don't think it's any of them. Uh, I think that he's talking about people here. And why would I say that? The word that's used here for messenger is the word angelos. What do we get from that? Angel, angel. But we also get the word messenger. That's what angel means, messenger. It could be a human messenger, and it could be a heavenly messenger. It could be a demonic messenger. I think a demonic messenger through people who attacked him ruthlessly. If you look at Second Corinthians chapter 1, you'll see that he even came to the point that he wanted to die, Because of the attack that was on him. And if I could just stop for just a minute. Pastors are people who are just like you. And criticism hurts. And pastors get a mountain of it. Now, he's not talking to me about this. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not... I'm not reprimanding you. I'm just telling in my 25 years at Henderson Hills, everything about me had been criticized several times. Uh, And and so uh, this criticism injures our spirits, and even for pastors, it's hard to deal with, really hard for us to deal with. Emotionally, we can hear a thousand good things, and one criticism wounds our spirit well this messenger was sent and it hurt paul so badly that he says they just wanted to die so that's what he's dealing with and then the lord says this messenger from satan was sent to harass me the word from harass from uh, that we get this word harass from i think the The New English version is a wonderful version, and sometimes it just is inadequate. And this is one of those times. The New American Standard, if I remember uh, right, uh, is to buffet me. The Greek word is for fist. The word that derives from it is fist. In other words, Paul is saying to strike me over and over and over with a fence, fist. I think that's metaphorical. But the impact had set him reeling. And he was barely standing up under it for a good long time. And then uh, to go on, why was this given? To keep me from becoming conceited. Now let's go on to verse number eight. He said three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord, three times. This may be a literal three times. Many times in Scripture, three refers to completeness. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three days in the tomb. Yeah. Uh, three days in the belly of the well. Uh, it, it's the idea of completeness. And the way this is read, I pleaded with the Lord it shows a continual action in the past so what he's saying is I pleaded and pleaded and pleaded and pleaded and I pleaded with the Lord maybe you understand that when our middle son was caught up in the addiction for all of those years I pled with the Lord please break this Please bring him out. And for years saw nothing. When I had cancer and was dealing so irrationally with it, I pleaded with the Lord to do something about it. And I didn't see any change. You know, one time I was talking to a friend about it, and he said, Dennis, you need to call this retired missionary in Colorado Springs, and uh, he had uh, what's called a Gleason score of 10, the worst kind of prostate cancer you can get. And he had had that like 10 years before, and he was fine. And so I called him, got his number, called him on the phone. I explained what I'd had, which was, by the way, the lowest intensity that there is and I explained what I had and how I was dealing with it and this is how he responded he said you are going to die a horrible death I'm not a good counselor but I can do much better than that you, know? you are going to die a terrible death and when you do God will have somebody he can use. He's talking about putting to death pride. And so I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. You know, that's what we want. When when we are hurt, we're in the depth of our pain. What do we want? We want out of it and we want out of it as quickly as we can we don't want to wait another day Uh, lord my back is hurting heal me today uh, i'm in financial problems send money today you know we want if you're suffering what do you want you want out of it but he wasn't allowed out of it and that's part of the point that he's making. Sometimes when we're hurting, when we're struggling emotionally or physically or spiritually, when we're hurting, when we're suffering, there are times that the Lord will say, here's the blessing that you ask for and remove us from it. But many times he will say, let's keep you here For a while. There are things for you to gather. While you're here. And so three times. I pleaded with the Lord about this. That it should. Leave me. That's what he wants. Leave me. But he said. He. God. How did he say this? Maybe it was in the pages of the Old Testament scripture. Maybe it was one of those supernatural revelations. That was necessary before we had the Bible itself uh, to know the will of God and the word of God Uh, maybe that's what it was I, I don't know but somehow the Lord said to me again written in a way he said this he said it and he said it and said it and said it again sometimes the Lord has to repeat things to us many times and that would be the case here and he said to me now, this is the passage, again, if you mark in your Bible, you want this passage marked, and you want to come and live in it. You, want to, you, you will return to it. It says this. God says, My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Please, let that permeate your soul. You need this for not only suffering that you've experienced now, but to understand the past. And to prepare for the future. My grace is sufficient for you. My power perfected in weakness. Let's take a careful look at that in the few minutes we have left. My grace. I can remember as a kid hearing my pastor say, uh, grace is God's unmerited favor. And I thought, well, that's nice. I have no idea what it means, but it's nice. Well, what does it mean? It means what God gives you that you don't deserve. The blessings that God gives you that you don't deserve. The help that God gives you that you haven't earned. Salvation comes by grace through faith. It's not because we've chosen to put faith in God. It's because God has given us the grace to put faith in God. And and so grace is God's gift to us. And it says this, "My, my grace is sufficient for you. It is Sufficient. What does the word sufficient mean? It means enough for what you're dealing with. I have no idea what you're dealing with. No idea at all. Uh, uh, It could be the wound of your life, it could be the greatest fear you've ever had, and you are experiencing it now. It might be a mere irritation or it could be years of family discord marriage discord maybe you've lost your job or you're afraid that you're about to lose your job maybe it's the rejection or the betrayal of a friend maybe it's failing to see a dream realized (laughs) I don't know maybe it's some horrible disease that's causing you great pain now. I don't know what it is. But if we had time to talk candidly, I think probably many of you could say, yeah, this is what's happening in my life. Please understand, I'm not trying to diminish the significance of your suffering. I want to talk to you about the grace of God that is sufficient to meet your need now. My grace is sufficient for you. Why is that true? For power is made perfect in weakness. Now, there's a number of words in the New Testament for power. This word for power, dunamis, is the word that refers to the miraculous power of God To enable you to obey him and live in his power in the circumstance that you're in. When God offers you, when he promises you his power, what he's saying to you is there is going to be all the strength that you need to deal successfully with this. Maybe not take you out of it, but to give you all the help you need to live in it tonight we we'll, we'll talk about why God will lead you in it why it is we suffer but for for right now uh, my power is perfected and again that that linear kind of verb meaning it is perfected and it's perfected and it's perfected and it's perfected it's not something that happens all the time god is still perfecting me he's still changing me and oftentimes it is through pain without suffering you will never know what god can do you're not an amenor group but That's worthy of it. Uh, Listen to it. Without suffering, you will never know what God can do in your life. Amen. Amen. That's preaching, Dennis. Amen. And it means you. And it means in your circumstance. Power is perfected in weakness. Uh, We have here a kind of an illustration, if you would. It's woven in and out of the words. And what's being said here is that God is sending his favor, his help, his power to you day by day. I call it ever-arriving grace. It's like manna in the desert, though. You can't store it up for tomorrow. It takes coming back to Him and yielding Him to Him and accepting His will in your life and trusting Him. But ever-arriving grace is coming to you to meet the need that you have to give you the strength, to give you insight into who God is, to teach you what it means to walk with him, ever-arriving grace. So what does Paul say in, uh, in response to this? Uh, he, I, plead, I, I pleaded, pleaded, pleaded with the Lord, take it from me. And then somehow or another, God says, You know, my grace is going to be sufficient for you because you're going to see my miraculous power given to you day after day after day. And you can never experience that unless you are where you are. All right, going on. Therefore... When you see a therefore, know what it's there for. It's a therefore because of what I've just read. Because this is true, then I will boast all the more gladly. Wait a minute, Paul. You're not to be proud. I mean, haven't you learned that yet? Pride is a killer. But listen what he's proud of. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Now, I'm no Apostle Paul, but uh, if I could just be candid with you for a minute. Uh, God called me to preach when I was 17. I promptly said no. No thank you. You see, I've got a couple of things going against that. One, I'm dyslexic. I hate to read. I hate to study. I've given the last 50 years to studying every day. And why would God call somebody with dyslexia to be a preacher of the word? Why? Because his power is perfected in weakness. And I'm an introvert. Down deep inside, an introvert. I I would, I would rather not be here. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I, all right to be here, but I'd be rather sitting with you and listening to somebody. There's oftentimes when I have conversations with myself. I know you have conversations with yourself, and, and I do some about crazy things. Uh, you know, what's for dinner? Where's Marcia sitting? Uh, is my zipper up should I not should I have never said that Uh, do you ever wonder well I I won't get I I checked it Uh, just saying Uh, but uh, you know I have this conversation in my mind saying why in the world are you here what are you doing here you're listening to a dyslexic introvert what were you thinking? And what was he thinking when he invited me? It's his fault, not mine. You see, But uh, when I have finished preaching the word, and when I'm going home, and I have heard people say, I learned, I grew, that's what I needed. It touched me. You know what I say? That had to be God. It can't be me. It cannot be me. And you know, I'd rather be an introvert dyslexic than to be the smartest person and the most outgoing person in the world. Because I get to see what God can do in a weak vessel. And that's true for you as well. It is. The pain that you experience is purposeful. It is. It's purposeful. In that God wants to show you what his power looks like in your weakness. And he wants others to see it too. All right. Uh, my, it, uh, I'll both all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ might rest upon me. I, when I preach, I'm not thinking. I got this together. I've done this a long time. I could do this thing. No, I'm saying, what are you thinking? Here we go again. I'll bet this will be a mess. You better see that it's not. And that's a blessing, folks. It's a blessing. And so the passage then ends with this. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. You know, contentment is the great quest of humanity. Why do we want more and more and more? To be content. Why do we move into bigger and bigger and bigger? To be content. Why do we want to try this person and not that person to be content? You see, contentment can only come to you. Real commitment contentment can only come. You can be contented with your life, no matter the circumstances. If, and only if, you understand that God is doing in your life what he needs to do to make you what he wants you to be. And he loves you, and he's caring for you. Well, I can be content with what? Weaknesses. And then he says insults. I think he's making a list of the experiences he himself had had. With insults, I think people were insulting him, hurting him, or attacking him. Hardships. Persecutions. That's what people do to other people. And calamities. For when I'm weak then I am strong. Folks, don't waste your sorrow. Don't waste it. Don't waste it being offended that God let it happen to a nice person like you. Don't be offended that God should have taken better care of you. Because God is doing exactly what he needs for you and for others as well. When you experience suffering, you get one of two paths to try, to tread. You can become offended by God, or you can take the path of faith in God. I encourage you to take that path. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm thankful for the opportunity to share with these brothers and sisters. And Lord, I I perceive in the faces of many that are here that they understand what I'm talking about. And you're ministering to their hearts. I pray that those Who haven't received Christ, I pray that they will know that the problems that they're facing can draw them now to the life changing experience of believing and receiving God's grace. And Father, for those saints who have known you for a long, long time and are hurting deeply, God,
0: encourage them in Jesus' name.